between the life we see and the world we dream, there are stories when they are told. Nightmares become imagination. So please. <laughs> Thomas, you aren't. Hello to the guild. Why do so many things come back to life? Welcome to the Dim Light Anxiety Podcast. I am your host, Giggles, and to answer your question, they come back to life so that we can have terror tales to keep your fucked up brains active. After all, nightmares are a terrible thing to waste, which leaves me with one question. What's your story? If you want to submit your scary story to try your chance at appearing on this podcast, just email them to dimlightanxiety at gmail.com. You can also send them to any of my social media platforms. And trust me, <laughs> there are many to choose from. <laughs> so, as you can imagine, lots of things have happened since the last time we talked. I had my birthday, which was perfect. <laughs> but, more importantly, I had my 10th rebirthday. 10 years ago, there was an attempt on my life. I came so close to passing out so many times, which would have been my end, but my body fought through all of it. All that to say, I am practically a ghost. You guys are listening to the voice of extra time, and this podcast has earned an extra level of creepy. <laughs> that fits perfectly with the theme of both of our stories for this month. Our second story of this episode is written by the terrific author you can find on Reddit under the username narrow underscore muscle 9572. But we will find out more about that tale later. First, we have the horrific writer you can also find on Reddit under the username seraphim663 to blame our nightmares on this month. Zombies, after all, can appear at any time without warning. We have a lot to get through since everything seems incapable of staying dead. So let's get started. Submitted for the approval of the Guild with Dim Light Anxiety, I call this story The Tales of Trying to Move On. Titled, Zombie Dog Park. It happened months ago. A massive case of water poisoning caused a zombie outbreak in my little coastal town. I witnessed my body succumb to the plague, watching it shamble around as a detached spirit. My body and I wandered through the suburbs, country, and small towns. We came to an abandoned ghost town. The streets and houses lay riddled with decay. Windows boarded up, open doors swung off their hinges, cracks in the asphalt riddled the road, and cobblestone sidewalks were pitted with old bricks. The town lay empty, not a soul in sight. My body shambled beside me. In the months following the incident, I had taught it simple commands such as going left, right, duck, and jump, of course. These commands worked when my body listened. I worked hard to avoid people. Unfortunately, 
my body was still a zombie and prone to following fresh people searching for the next meal. My body hadn't eaten in weeks, and I wondered if the shambling corpse would eventually just drop dead. If that were to happen, I floated through the various doors I saw in our journeys. The black doors looked like polished obsidian, and I'm sure they entered the afterlife. However, I couldn't just float through one and leave my poor body to shamble on unguided. What if I ate someone? What if it ate someone's child? I couldn't be responsible for that. So that left me in the position of babysitting over my body. They're so cute when they play, a voice behind me said. I whipped around and another ghost stood behind me. He was a young man with a dark hair and a fedora. In all my travels, I had not seen another spirit. Sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. The name's Tom, he said, as he took off his hat and held it to his chest. It, it's been so long since I've had anyone talk to me. I'm, I panicked. I had forgotten my name. Since I died, I hadn't had direct conversation with anyone. All right, I understand. I don't know if my real name is Tom, said the spirit. His voice had a mild accent. Um, you can call me Dora, I stammered. Sure thing, Dora. Say, you have a friend with you? Oh, yeah, that's, that's what my other half. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same situation. Tough time since the outbreak. You have no idea. Wait, where's your body? I and my wife's body are just at the local park just north of town. It would be best if you came to hang out, take a load off. Sh sure thing. <laughs> I'll meet you there. Tom nodded and faded away. I shrugged and guided my damp and slimy body north. It gurgled in protest but shambled after me. We plodded past the rest of the decaying road and sure enough, there was a park in the town's entrance. It wasn't much to look at, just a few soccer fields and a playground. But a group of ghosts were chatting while their decaying bodies shambled nearby. Two of them played an offbeat soccer game using a zombie's head as the ball. The headless body stumbled around, trying to block its opponent's clumsy kicks, mumbling a goal when the head made it past its body. Each zombie had a prospective ghost on each side and barked instructions. Ed, great job kicking your head past the goalie, said the spirit. Goal, said a zombie while raising a fist. Good game, said the opposing spirit. You want to meet next week? Yeah, Ed. Let's shake on it. The spirits ordered the zombies to shake hands, and they clumsily fumbled. Finally, Ed zombie pulled out his hand and gave the other zombie a shake before shuffling off the opposite direction. That's, I don't know. They come here every week to play sports. Sometimes they play soccer, sometimes football. They try hockey, but their zombs kept taking out their legs to use as a stick. <laughs> Tom floated behind me. He smiled and introduced me to the other spirits. Janice, a stay-at-home mom, woke up to her body wandering down the street. Her husband and children were nowhere to be found. So 
she stayed until she saw them. Then she would pass on. Zim, a Zoth girl, and hacker, stayed for the LOLs because she thought the zombie apocalypse was cool. However, crossing over terrified her. She wasn't sure if she would ever. And there was Chad, a police officer whose last suspect shuffled away from him just as his soul evacuated his body. He felt he needed to say to serve and protect the wandering spirits. And he couldn't go until they were at rest. I, I thought I was alone, I said. Nah, ghosts have always been around. Most of us move on already, but I can't just leave my body behind. What would the poor fellow do without me? So, you've seen the doors too? Doors? Yeah. There are those shiny black doors leading me to the other side. Oh, there's not a door, more like a, a tunnel. They come up now and then. It must be different for everyone, I shrugged. A siren blared in the distance. The spirits frantically yelled at their zombies to move. The horde shambled to the park's exit, and the zombies ducked and hid after dumbly heeding their spirited instructions. My body was towards the back of the crowd when a Humvee pulled behind me. A woman in military fatigue stepped out of the vehicle. She had a dark, her dark hair pulled up in a tight bun, and a blindfold covered it at her eyes. A voice garbled over her intercom. I can sense paranormal activity, she said. All of the spirits winked out into thin air. I concentrated and desperately tried to think myself into another place. But when I opened my eyes, I hovered silently at the park. I gasped as my body howled and stumbled quickly toward the lady. She pointed her rifle at my shambling body. No! Bad! I snapped. The woman winced and kneeled on the ground. I floated near her and her breath became visible from the sudden cold. My zombie stopped and stared at me, cocking its head like a confused dog. The woman removed her blindfold. Holy shit, she gasped. This area is concentrated with paranormal matter. I need backup ASAP. Zombs are at the mouth of the park. Please be careful. Can, can you see us? I floated through her and she shivered. Her light brown eyes flickered in my direction. She put her blindfold back on and ran back to her vehicle, slamming the door behind her. A town car parked next to her, and an old man walked out. He was wearing a suit with a silver pocket watch. Rupert, thank God you came, said a voice over his intercom. The old man nodded and walked in my direction. My body walked toward him. A starved expression on her face. 
No, bad, I screamed. My body stopped and looked at me with milky puppy dog eyes. Rupert walked up to me. So it obeys you, huh? So you can hear me, I said. Can the lady hear me too? That's Thessaly, no. She can see you and feel your presence, but she can't talk to you. So that's why I'm here. Why is Thessaly wearing a blindfold? Ah, uh, she's blessed with the ability to see ghosts, but they still scare her. They would come to her as a child asking for help, but she couldn't hear a word they said. She took to wearing a blindfold after the outbreak because so many spirits bothered her. But she had no way of helping them. So, that's how we found each other. My body moaned and shuffled toward me. The algae had dried on its body and it looked like a forlorn sea creature. Feels good to talk to someone that can speak more than a word at a time, I said. Rupert chuckled. Ghosts are just like anyone else, except they don't have a body. I'm corporally challenged. <laughs> my body follows me around. I nodded toward the, my zombie. Is that the reason you're staying? Well, yes. I can't just leave it to its own devices. My body shambled and croaked. We'll take care of that for you. We could put you to rest. It must be lonely out here with no one to talk to. I wanted to tell him I found other spirits. Ghosts with wandering bodies forced to babysit their rotting bodies, but something about Rupert gave me pause. The, the man had some ulterior motive to speak to me. Why does it matter to you if I stay or not? His eyebrows knitted together. Having a zombie on the loose is a liability. You might not always be able to control it. What if it went feral and started ignoring you? commands. If you put my body to rest, would you care if my spirit wandered? Better for you to cross over. That zombie is giving you a purpose. Without a purpose, you'd become a poltergeist. Is that what you want? To be wandering around wreaking havoc on innocent people? Sounds like you want to get rid of us because it's inconvenient. I'd not seen a human in weeks. The feds have us holed up and on campus. So I thought, you know, it'd be nice to go to a park. But the park is zombie infested like every place else. But in my observation, the zombies are strangely obedient and seem to follow odd behavior patterns. For example, the other day, I saw zombies playing hockey using the other's leg as a stick and the head as a puck. Ghosts were giving commands to the sick game. My heart sank with his question. My body and I saved a mother and son trapped in a corner store. After that, we settled into wandering, town after abandoned town. Perhaps... It was best to leave what little land remained to the living.
Don't listen to him, Dory, said Tom's voice in my mind. Rupert's bad news. Where are you guys? I thought back with all my mind. Not far from here. Just hang in there, kid. I guess because there's nothing left. I believe in reincarnation. There's nothing left to return to. So, I think I'll stay and help rebuild a ruined world. Rupert sighed and shook his head. That's very noble, but what are you going to do? Float around aimlessly? I mean, living is over their heads. I can't imagine a ghost and a zombie that would be much better. I'm not leaving. Rupert took out a pistol and aimed it toward my zom. He muttered some words and an obsidian door opened behind me. His words pushed me like strong wind toward the door. The bullet hit my zom in the chest. Thankfully, it barely registered and it shambled angrily toward him. A small red dot rested on its head, but before Rupert squeezed the trigger, Tom's zombie joined mine followed by the other park patrons. The dark-haired woman screamed behind them, drawing the zombie's attention toward her. You had enough, Rupert? We could just let them eat you all now, snarled Tom. If we go missing, the military will exterminate everyone. They will also flatten this park and turn it into a research facility, isn't that what you're doing? Clearing land for the feds? No. We want the goddamn park for fresh air. We're tired of the feds running everything and want a, some space. Rupert kicked a pebble with his shoe as Tom and the others called their zombies off. Tessile was trembling with fear as the zombies backed away from her car. I think we can work out a deal. All right, Rub? asked Tom. What kind of deal are you asking? We get the park for the first half of the week, and you guys can take it for the other half of the week. So both get some fresh air and get the place to hang out. At least until the feds take over, because he knows that they will. Uh, huh. That's reasonable muttered Rupert. We're just people like everyone else. Just corporally challenged, I said. All right, so we get Monday through Wednesday, and you's going to have Thursday through Saturday. We both can call Sunday off for church and whatnot, so call that a neutral day. I'd shake on it, but you don't have hands. Over here, shake, called Tom, motioning his arm over. The Zom took his hand out of its socket and mumbled the words, Shake. I think I'll pass on that, said Rupert, but it sounds like we have a deal. He got into his car and radioed Thessaly. She nodded in bewilderment. But, but can we trust them? They have nothing left to lose, so it's not like they will tell the feds on us. She nodded and stopped shaking. 
both of the cars started, and they drove out of the park. The sun set as they turned on the road, their taillights fading into the distance. The zombies and ghosts came back to the park. Ed and Earl resumed their soccer game as though nothing had happened. Tom floated me and nodded. So, you gonna stay with the group of misfit toys? Sure. At least here I can do some good. Well, at least until the government takes over. I sighed as a tank rolled past in the distance. Aww, that had a kind of amicable ending. <laughs> Willing to murder for the use of a private park, though? Well, I don't know. Crazy idea to me. But I don't live in the apocalypse, so what do I know? <laughs> I do love, however, how it is a new idea on not only zombies, but ghosts. It really makes you wonder about a lot of different layers concerning the afterlife and how large a role your conscience may have in how you end up. Well, you heard it too. What do you think? Was it scary enough? Or better question, can you do better? Can you scare the laughter out of me? <laughs> now for the details. Today's writing prompt is inspired by the cold blast we had here not too long ago, so <laughs> I'll let the prompt explain. An icy hand gripped my arm in the darkness. Use that sentence as inspiration or those exact words in your story. Either way, let them lead you to your nightmare. The idea is scary enough, but what you do with it, that is what can send it over the edge. What kind of hand was it? Where were they at in the darkness? Does she know the hand? I'm thinking not. Hmm. Once you are able to squeeze a story out of your brain, send it to my email for a chance to have it come to life on this podcast. <laughs> if you don't know my email, just check out the website. Links to my email and social media are all on the website as well as so much more, including past writing prompts if you're into that what is the website you ask that's easy it's just the name of the podcast with the dot com at the end that's dimlightanxiety.com speaking of stories let's give one final shout out to the author of our first terror tale of for today that is not ever obviously <laughs> you can find them on reddit under the username seraphim 663. And if you're uncertain of the um, spelling, just check it out on the description of this podcast. For either authors, honestly. If you enjoyed their story and or today's episode, please give me a like, follow, subscribe, review on any platform you use to listen to today's episode. Just something as simple as that really helps these writers get the attention they deserve. If you're feeling really passionate about the podcast, tell your friends. Tell your friends' friends. Heck, tell a stranger. <laughs> Let them all leave laughing scared. 
don't forget, the next episode will come out next month on the 13th. And the first of this season's bonus episode comes out on the 17th of this month with a tarot tale written by me, your host Giggles. It will celebrate the bloodiness of Valentine's Day. It normally comes out on V-Day, but the story this year makes more sense a few days later. You'll see what I mean on Friday. But for now, we have one more horrific thought. The next story. Brought to life by the author you can find on Reddit under the username narrow underscore muscle 9572. All right, I think that just about covers it. Guess it's time for the next story. Are you brave enough? It's just about, you know, living in a haunted apartment. (laughs) There's nothing scary about that, right? Well, enjoy, if you dare. Titled, The Haunting of Apartment 106. Sometimes, I hear scuttling in the shadows or behind the walls. I I rarely witness it, but when I do, it's always a blur that disappears into the shadows and never, and it never happens when I expected it to. I know I sound off my rocker, but there's a monster that lives in my apartment. I first heard its call five days ago, the same day my sister her husband, and their daughter came over to visit before they all left for vacation. It was the middle of the night when the sound rose from the darkness, freezing my blood. Its calls sounded like an orchestra of string instruments being played by gorillas with a propensity for causing as much pain as possible. That was the first in a long series of nights that seemed to never end. The next morning when I got up, I found my chair was torn and the stuffing was partially dragged out. I was physically attacked by this monster the following night while sleeping. The monster plunged its fangs and talons into my feet, attempting to shred my flesh from its bones. I wanted to go to the hospital to have it looked at, but I'm afraid of what they may tell me. What if it gave me some kind of disease when it scratched and bit me? After two days without sleep, my mind was playing tricks on me. I think the beast enjoys the chaos. Returning home, I sometimes find my clothes torn and laying on the floor. Or the remains of a digested meal. It even knocked over the urn of great-grandma and scattered the ashes. I decided to ask around for help and thankfully found people online. Unfortunately, since I had not seen this beast and couldn't give a description, they couldn't tell me exactly what I would need, but they did recommend that I buy books of wards and rituals. In a New Age shop, I loaded up with everything from charms to Christian crosses and the silver and gold variety since One may work better than the other. I don't know. I didn't expect to buy as much as I did that day, but 
The weight of all the charms around my neck is a small price to pay for safety. People online also recommended that I purchase incense and sage to purge the beast. After performing all the rituals, I mean, all the rituals I could at least, and surrounding my bed with salt, and fin- I finally, finally felt comfortable enough to sleep. As soon as my head hit the pillow, I was out of it. I don't know how long I was out of it, but when I woke up, it was dark. That isn't what woke me, though. There was something laying on top of my hip. Its tail was twitching back and forth, slapping my leg, and I was too afraid to move. When my alarm clock went off, the beast ran away. It was the first time I was thankful for having an alarm clock, if I'm being honest. When I went to the kitchen, I saw some more of the creature's destruction. This time it decided to tear apart a throw pillow. Now, I am not the kind of person who likes to tell people if I need help, so I didn't tell my friends or family about this, even though I knew that if I did, they would offer me a spare bedroom or a couch. Yet each day, I go without sleep. It's as if the shadows get darker and larger. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm going crazy or not. Even as I think this, I wondered, did I just see the beast? Some people online told me about the origin of Halloween and how people would place offerings of milk out for ghosts and goblins to calm them. They recommended that I do the same thing. I set a small bowl of milk out and ran out to buy offerings of meat at the store. When I returned, I saw that the milk had been drunk, so I put out a piece of bologna. I looked away for only a moment, and when I looked back, the meat was gone. These offerings are only a band-aid. I need to identify this monster if I am going to have any chance of being free of it. The following night, my blood ran cold when I heard the monster in the walls between my bed and my neighbor's apartment. On the other side of the wall is an old woman who lives all by herself. I should have got up and run to her rescue, but at that moment, I was a coward, and I didn't do anything except cover my head and drown the sound with tuneless humming. I rearm all the traps I have set up the next morning and cry because of how useless these traps are and how helpless I feel. (laughs) It's at this point where I get more glances of the creature. A tuft of hair here, a tail there. Seeing all this, I wish I was never born. I cannot do this much longer. I am not religious, and I was reluctant to ask the priest for help. However, at this point, I have no other option. He said the church no longer does exorcisms, and that demons are a way to explain the evils in the world and not to be taken literally. When I insist that I am living with some sort of entity, he recommends prayer. I caused a bit of a scene when he said this and stormed off. My friends started to notice how much I have changed and how I am isolating myself so they reach out to me. I told him everything was fine because 
I do not want to bother them with my burden. As we speak, I take my time bringing up the possibilities of borrowing his gun. I could go duck hunting, maybe. Thankfully, he believed me. I do not like being dishonest, but I don't see any way, other way out of it. If the tables were reversed, and he were to tell me about a monster, I would not believe him. That night, I didn't try to sleep. I sat in my bed with the loaded weapon and waited for the monster to show itself. The moment it rears its ugly head, I was going to end its life or die trying. Hours passed. I think I might have nodded off with the gun in my lap. I wake up suddenly and raise the gun to the door where I thought the beast would appear. I cocked the gun, putting a shell in the chamber, while at the same time ejecting the one I forgot was already in there. As I panned the gun left and right, waiting for my eyes to adjust, I look for any movement. After a few moments, I see that the, the wards on the floor, made out of salt, have been spread all over. I really should not be surprised. The wards offer, offered me no help, yet why should I expect things to be different now? Feeling pressure on my bladder, I dread getting out of bed when it is dark. Under the bed, the monster could wait for me to put my foot on the floor. I feel like a child all over again. Scared of the dark, scared of monsters. In truth, <laughs> I am afraid of everything. After a silent prayer, I jump off the bed and as soon as my foot touches the ground, I sprint to the bathroom and shut the door. Unfortunately, I didn't bring the gun with me. Deciding to sit on the cold toilet instead of standing up to urinate, I consider sleeping here with the door shut. Before I know it, I am asleep once again. I woke up to the sound of loud and rapid scratching. In that tiny gap between the door and the floor, I see a white claw reaching out towards me. Needle-like claws extended and excitedly scrape the floor as if it's trying to pull the floor and me towards its awaiting maw. A moment later, the claws turn and reaches the doorknob. Thankful, I am already on the toilet because I scream like a child. And because I don't remember the last time I ate, I faint. When I wake up, it's to the sound of my phone ringing on the other side of the door. As soon as I build enough courage, I burst through the bathroom door and sprint to my bed to where the phone and the gun lay. Instead of grabbing the gun, I look at my phone. 
four voicemails and six missed calls. All of which are from my boss. He said that I was fired on the last voicemail. <laughs> this uh, should upset me more than it does, but how could losing a job compare to living with some kind of fucking demon? <laughs> Forcing myself to eat, I open the fridge and the smell of old, spoiled food breaks me. I cry harder than I have ever cried in my heart life. Babies don't cry this much. The anticipation of being attacked was almost worse than actually being attacked. I shout, challenging the beast to reveal itself as my knuckles turn white around the gun. I position my chair in the corner so I can see more of my house. And I wait for the monster. Outside, I hear people go about their day. I hear birds chirp. Cars start, and in the distance, I hear a school bell ring, indicating that students are about to go home. <laughs> Everyone else gets to feel normal. Again, I cry. There was a moment I thought I heard a woman screaming in the hallway outside, but it ended up being one of those happy screams. I cry yet again. The only time I move from that chair is when I go to turn on the lights before it gets dark. After all, I need to see the monster in order to shoot it. If the monster survives the blast, it would kill me. If that is the case, at least this nightmare would be over. I would be able to finally sleep. Weighing the pros and cons of living, as well as the gun in my hand. I made the decision to put the barrel of the gun in my mouth. Slowly, I applied pressure to the trigger, knowing that at any time this thing will go off and my suffering would be over. I think about the poor bastard who would have to clean this mess for a second, but quickly set that thought aside. <laughs> as soon as I shoot, it won't be my problem. I add more pressure to the trigger with the business end of the gun in my mouth. My lips tighten on the barrel and I cry more. My finger not easing the tension on the trigger. That was when the phone rang. Saved by the bell. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I couldn't help myself. This story has me on edge. <laughs> I needed some kind of comic relief. I guess we should get back to it. Heek. <laughs> oh, um, don't forget to subscribe if you too are scared to comedy. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Now I have switched to stalling. I am ready mostly, to continue on.
I pull the barrel out of my mouth on the third ring to see who is calling me. Wiping tears from my eyes, I pick up the phone and see it is my sister who just came back from her vacation. She is the one person who could talk me off of this cliff. Hello? I answer as calmly as I can muster. Hey, I'm coming over. Be there in five minutes, she says. What? Why? I ask surprised. I'm picking up my cat today. Thanks for watching him when we were gone. <laughs> I declare this meeting of the guild with dim light anxiety closed. Hopefully, you won't find anything coming back to life. Until next month, creepy real me! <laughs> This podcast does not condone any physical harm on yourself or others. These are fictional stories intended only for entertainment. <laughs> <laughs>